0: Welcome to the Nanalyze Podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanonalyze.com for more details.. So let's talk about the real reason you're here. It's probably not about SCHD versus VIG. You're probably here because you want to find the best dividend ETF, and you saw that we're comparing two of the three largest by dollar vote proxy, the most popular dividend ETF. So these are the two names that have attracted the most money from both retail and institutional investors, and your own inner insecurity demons are now probably telling you to question your own investment choices. So maybe you're thinking about investing in one and you've chosen it, and you're wondering if the other might be better. Well, The good news is that you're already ahead of ninety percent of all investors because you're thinking about investing in ETFs, which are a perhaps the safest way to invest in equities there is. So how can I help you? Well, I spent a decade working at a firm whose indices are linked to over a trillion dollars in ETF AUM. AUM stands for assets under management. That's just the amount of money that those ETFs have attracted my Mandate at this firm was to manage global teams that supported over a hundred thousand indices. So indices are what ETFs are based on. It's the the fundamental component of an ETF that allows money to be put into it and to track that index. So I'm gonna help you understand how ETFs work, these two in particular, so you can choose the best one for your own unique needs. So I'm gonna teach you how to fish. And we're going to start with one of the most important things you need to pay attention to, which would be fees. I like this simple diagram from the SEC, and it's the illustration of ongoing fees over 20 years. So, if you invested $100,000 at a 1% annual fee, in 20 years' time, you would have paid almost $28,000 in fees for that original $100,000 initial investment. Additionally, if you took that $28,000 in fees and you invested that instead of paying it to somebody, you would have earned an additional $12,000. So this diagram shows very nicely that the 4% annual return less the 1% annual fee there is $180,000. And then if you add in that fee, then you starts rising up there and then you reinvest it. So the difference between the amount of money you would have made without a fee and with the fee would be $180,000 versus $220,000. So fees are a very fundamental component of total return over time. So it's intuitive then that the best ETFs are going to be ones with lowest fees, right? So the ETF with the most assets under management, is going to be able to afford having the lowest fees, right? Because the more money you're managing, the less that you can charge to manage it. Because you, when you lower that per, those percentage points, what they call basis points, you can lower those, but you have so much money, it doesn't matter. You're still making a ton. So the largest ETFs naturally will be those with the lowest fees. So the quest, question is, well, how do we find a list of the largest ETFs of any kind? Well, Whenever we start to look for information sources in the world of finance, we want to make sure that whoever we're talking to is legitimate. And we use a database called Vetify, and this is rather recent in May of last year. A number of teams that you can see here, ETF Trends, ETF Database, uh, they all came together and merged to form Vetify, and then they acquired this advisory firm. And uh, the founder is an ex-MD from BlackRock. He actually spent some time in London. We probably uh, answered some of his phone calls at MSCI. So um, we can go to their database, and that's what we've done here. And look, it says, this is a list of all dividend ETFs traded in the USA. Well, that's what we want. And then we can sort on the total assets column, right? And look at the two names there at the top. VIG and SCHD, those are the two ticker symbols around the thumbnail of this slide. That's how we got here, all right? And we want to evaluate these two ETFs. And we're also going to briefly touch on the two below that. And the reason for that is when you look at this list of the largest ETFs, here are the top four, all right? And the fees that they charge, you can see, are all very low, six basis points. And the fourth there, the iShares one, they're charging eight basis points, but uh, for whatever reason, after these four, fees triple or more. So these, if we're looking, thinking about the best dividend ETF this would be the universe that we're going to consider and today we're going to focus on those first two names Uh, when we start with the top one there and we consider how much money is in this it's a lot more um, than the other two so it's what 70 billion dollars compared to roughly 48 the same for SCHD and VYM but we want to look at their underlying indices and you can see that vig the largest uh, it has around 300 stocks and They used to use the NASDAQ U.S. Dividend Achievers Select Index through September of 2021, and then they switched over to the S&P U.S. Dividend Growers Index. So that complicates things. But what we can do is understand the index that they're using today. Then we have SCHD which uh, uh, tracks the Dow Jones U.S. Dividend 100 Index. We did an entire video on that and went into great detail on that, so we won't do that today. At the end of this presentation, I'll put a link to that video if you haven't seen it. And then in third place is this Uh, Also, a Vanguard ETF tracking FTSE's high dividend yield index, and that's a a topic for another day. Now, right about now, we should probably be running an ad, but instead, if you just click that subscribe button, that means we don't have to run ads. So, the basics of SCHD, uh, it excludes REITs, Uh, it considers 10 years consecutive dividends, companies that have paid Uh, dividends at least 10 years consecutively, not necessarily increased, uh, firms greater than $500 million market cap. It sorts them by yield, and the top half then is their universe. And from that, they then begin calculating additional factors. You can see here, uh, they look for free cash flow to total debt, uh, yield, Five-year dividend growth rate, that's an important one, and then return on equity. And then they create a composite score and rank and take 100 firms from that. That's basically what SCHD does, uh, the ETF that you're investing in. So it's pretty simple and easy to understand. We quite like their methodology for reasons we'll talk about a little bit later. Now, when we consider the S&P US Dividend Growers Index, this is... A little bit simpler. So they also exclude REITs, uh, possibly for tax reasons. They start with all U.S. companies trading on major exchanges. They do their usual liquidity screening stuff. Uh, But here's a, a subtle but important difference. They look at companies that must have not only paid but increased... A dividend for at least 10 years. So what then what they do is they rank all the eligible companies by their what's called indicated annual dividend yield. So let's just call that yield. And here's where it gets interesting. They remove the top 25% highest ranked companies. So the companies with the highest yields get removed. And why is that? You might say, well, if you understand how yield works, Uh, when it starts to get too rich, then there's usually a concern from investors that these firms might not be able to continue increasing those dividends going forward. And that's why they're being paid such a high yield to hold those shares. So this step in this index is a very interesting one, certainly one that we didn't expect. But then what they do is they simply select the remaining eligible companies on that list to form an index. And there's over 300 names. They weight it by market cap not to exceed 4%. And what you see here are the top 10 names for these two ETFs. So VIG on the left there, you see some technology names floating to the top. Microsoft, Apple there, you see some financial services, JP Morgan, Visa, and then uh, MasterCard there at the bottom. And then SCHD, uh, the only commonality between these two sets, I think, is Broadcom. They both contain that. It happens to be the largest holding in SCHD. But when we talk about things to compare, oftentimes investors start to gravitate towards performance. Well, historical performance can be really deceptive. That's because different time frames are going to tell you different results. As we say, you can always torture the data and make it say whatever you want. So we don't spend a lot of time doing that here at Nanalyze. When we look at performance for ETFs, we need to use index performance data, not product. That's because, for example, SCHD was, uh, in, uh, came about only in 2011. I think VIG was in 2006. So it's sort of apples to oranges there. And then when you start to do index comparisons, that becomes tricky because vigs recent index switch that needs a lot more investigation so i'm wondering and it's not something we're going to get into today if that uh, just how different or similar those two indices were and the reasoning for that switch they should have elaborated upon that in some sort of collateral that you could find somewhere and when we talk about performance are we talking initial investment only total returns, so we're including all the income are we thinking about a return with that income reinvested, that starts to become more complicated. So the better things to compare might be um, the industry exposures you're getting from either ETF, and more importantly, we'd argue, the growth of those income streams. After all, the fact that you're investing in a dividend ETF implies that you're thinking about income as a major component of total return. So when we look at Industry allocations, rather interesting here. We've simply compared uh, sectors or industries, depending on which classification terminology you're using. Uh, VIG there, industrials, you could just read down here. We'll point out the ones that are interesting. So uh, VIG has a 19% exposure to technology, while SCHD only has 11.7, so there's a 7% difference there. And then look at energy, so SCHD has... Uh, A lot more energy, close to 7% more energy than VIG does. So that's interesting to note. But the thing that we really want to talk about here that's on everyone's mind is yield. And I've put the yield numbers on top just as a point of reference, but that's not what I want to focus on. So VIG yields around 2%, SCHD uh, rather high at 3.85%. I want to look at the growth of this income stream over time. And what we've done here is taken their distributions over the past nine years, and we've been able to calculate the growth of those over eight. And then we can calculate the um, annual, the compound annual growth rate. So for VIG, it's 7%. For SCHD, it's 10%. And here's why that matters so much. It's something called yield on cost. So let's say that you bought one share of SCHD at $35 a share in 2014, all right? That first year, looking at the table on the right, you would have received $1. five. Okay, that's a 3% yield. You take $1.05, divide it by $35. All right, start going down the list. So what happens the next year? In 2015, the... Uh, $1.15 you would have received translates to a 3.3% yield. In 2016, you would have received more money, a $1.26. That translates to 3.6. In 2017, $1.35, that's 3.9%. In 2022, your what they call yield on cost, the amount of money that your original cost basis is yielding, is now 7.3%. So that growth is very important over time, and that's what we pay attention to with our own strategy, more importantly than just current yield. So the yield growth over time is a lot more important to look at than just um, looking at today's yield. So I always put that into perspective. So when we look at the most suitable companies to invest in from a dividend growth perspective, our strategy actually uses seven factors to establish what's called a Q score. So we look at size. Uh, we we give um, more credibility to larger firms. They have economies of scale. Uh, We look at yield, of course, international sales, five-year growth rate, 10-year growth rate, payout ratio, and years of increases. Uh, So then what investors can do is they can choose their own constituents based on Q scores. And then we use equal weighting, of course, which is uh, shown to outperform, as well as quarterly trimming uh, also improves performance. And then We recently did a paper that shows uh, our Q-score methodology outperforms the S&P 500 significantly when applied to a 33-stock portfolio based on a universe of 200 stocks. So um, the conclusion here would be that I think um, SCHD is more compelling than VIG for reasons that we've um, provided in this video. However, there are some things left here. We've only looked at two of the three largest dividend ETFs out there. The high-yield ETF from Vanguard sounds like the best one, right? High-yield. But as we pointed out, high-yield can be deceptive. You want to look at the growth of that yield over time. So in our next piece... Uh you should subscribe so you don't miss it. We'll look at Vanguard's high yield ETF and possibly the iShares one as well even though it's 2 basis points uh, more expensive than the others it's probably worth throwing that in there. They could change those fees any time to be more competitive. I-, I think then we can then conclude which ETF we like out of the the, the top 4 there as we originally pointed out, and for foreign investors who make up half our audience, um, you're often asking us about uh, ETFs and such, Uh, just look for USIT's equivalents for these and then uh, invest accordingly. Now, if you're interested to know more about how SCHD works and their methodology and such, well, I've put up this video here we did on that very topic, so Uh, Make sure to watch that and uh, support our channel. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.